We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash lawless. Just go to Indeed.com slash lawless right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed com slash lawless terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed now a defense in a court of law may be indefensible in the court of public opinion doesn't mean it's not a good defense though but if you're the united states soccer federation you must believe it's worth losing in the court of public opinion to win in a court of law and you got to be prepared to take the public heat ussf wasn't Hello, Sunshine. I'm Alexi Lawless, and welcome to the State of the Union podcast, where we look at the beautiful game on and off the field through the lens of red, white, and blue colored glasses. Uh, as you can see and hear, uh, this is a remote episode of the State of the Union because of current events and everything that we are all going through uh, right now. I am coming to you from Los Angeles from my home, uh, David Mossy, a uh, friend a compatriot, a uh, soccer savant is coming to you from his home. And we will be discussing uh, the state of, well, I guess the world and as it relates to the game that we all know and love, which is soccer. We all recognize that it uh, means next to nothing compared to the real life situation that everybody's going through right now. But this is a soccer podcast. It's what we talk about. Uh, and just because we talk about soccer and what's going on today or what isn't going on today uh, doesn't mean uh, that it, it's more significant than anything else that is going out there. But maybe this is just a small little respite. Um, I hope everybody is being safe. I hope everybody is doing uh, everything they can to keep themselves and everybody uh, around them and on this planet safe. And hopefully... Uh, this too shall pass, and we will go back to some semblance of normal normalcy as quickly as possible with the least amount of pain uh, and damage out there to you, yours, uh, and everybody in the world. Uh, David Mossy, my friend, as I said, a soccer savant, a Fox soccer researcher and writer extraordinaire. Mossy, how are you in these uh, strange and interesting times? I am good. You know, it's interesting. It's been raining a lot in L.A. In the last couple of days, so it's been hard to tell if the emptiness in the streets and the gloomy mood is because of the rain or because of the coronavirus. Today, it's actually a nice day outside. So today, I suppose, will be the first test case of whether people are really taking this seriously because I've read reports from elsewhere where it's nice weather, where people are still going out to bars and restaurants and such. And so I'll be curious to see how people around me approach this situation. Yeah, I mean, I think... I think we all are, are living through this and meandering and trying to figure it out. And this is all uncharted territory for almost all of us uh, when it comes to this thing. And so listening to all the different voices and stuff like that and trying to get the best 
possible uh, information out there is not always easy, despite the fact that we have so many platforms uh, for information. Uh, sometimes there is a, a deluge of it and trying to sift through it and figure out what is uh, what is real and what is not. But I think we've come to the point right now where I think everybody understands that this is serious, this is real, and the actions that we take now can have consequences, uh, both good and bad. And the, the recognition that we think globally but act locally in terms of the things that we're doing can help lessen uh, or dampen the, the spread of this. And we hope that we come out the other side, as I said, with uh, the least amount uh, of damage. Uh, this is a, an incredible week, obviously, for news. Um, and it's an incredible week when it comes to soccer and the way that this has impacted the game of soccer and the news coming out uh, when it comes to soccer. If the coronavirus wasn't something that, uh, that we were dealing with on a daily basis, the big news when it comes to American soccer would be the resignation of Carlos Cordero, the president of the United States Soccer Federation. And so I guess, Mossy, as we go through this abbreviated version of this remote version, uh, let's start there and talk about that because in and of itself, it's a, a significant thing. I know it pales in comparison to everything else, but it's a significant soccer story that I think bears diving into and I think uh, should be should be talked about. And then we'll kind of segue into talking a little bit more about the effect of the coronavirus on the sport that we know and love and how it has changed the way that we think about that sport and how we go about our lives. You know, we are coming to you recording this on a Sunday, which in normal times we would be knee deep in who knows how many games that we would be watching from who knows how many leagues and how many places around the uh, the world and obviously uh, the domestic league. And none of that is there. It is all gone away. And so now we are left to our own devices to live a life without this sport that, especially for those of us that work in uh, in soccer, is such an important uh, part of it. Before we hit uh, Carlos Cordero, anything uh, uh, that you'd like to say to the people out there before I give you uh, my State of the Union as it pertains to Carlos Cordero? Stay safe, obviously. And if you're looking for any television recommendations, like you said, we're taping this on a Sunday. Tomorrow night, HBO, two shows I'm looking forward to. Uh, the Plot Against America, which is a Charles Lindbergh story, and then season two of My Brilliant Friend, which is this coming-of-age story uh, about two Italian girls growing up in Naples. Season one was absolutely fantastic, one of the best things I've seen in television in a very long time. Season two starts tomorrow night as well. So uh, from a television perspective, you know, we're all cooped up at home now. So I think those are two things to look forward to for sure. Nice. It's times like these that I regret my decision to have watched The Sopranos and uh, Game of Thrones, which would be perfect to obviously binge for the long haul that we are uh, that we are in for. But I'm sure there's lots of others and certainly out there. Uh, it, it, look, we're all on Twitter uh, and we're all on all the social media platforms. So hit me up, hit Mossy up with recommendations that you have uh, to get us through this time to keep us entertained and to keep our minds off of uh, the very serious events that are going on outside our doors. All right, Mossy, you ready to light this candle? Yep. All right. Each and every week, even when we're on the road and remotely, we start the pod off with my State of the Union. And this week, it goes a little something like this. Carlos Cordero has resigned as president of the United States Soccer Federation. But don't dance. This is a bad look for our sport and a federation that seems to specialize in bad looks. Cordero was canceled and resigned 
after court filings exposed the United States Soccer Federation's defense strategy in their ongoing litigation with the United States Women's National Team over equal pay. Their legal argument? The men and women do not perform equal work that requires equal speed, strength, skill, effort, and responsibility under similar working conditions. Now, many saw this as sexist, misogynistic, and unacceptable, including the United States Soccer Federation sponsors. Now, a defense in a court of law may be indefensible in the court of public opinion. Doesn't mean it's not a good defense, though. But if you're the United States Soccer Federation, you must believe it's worth losing in the court of public opinion to win in a court of law. And you gotta be prepared to take the public heat. USSF wasn't, and so they took bad PR and made it even worse. And now everyone says they weren't aware of the strategy. That's indefensible. Everyone in leadership positions within the United States Soccer Federation shares the blame. Either they knew or they should have known the defense strategy. This distancing and disavowing and general hand-washing is disingenuous. I know Federation work is often a thankless and payless endeavor. Doesn't matter. You don't want the responsibility or the consequences? Then don't take the job. Fact is, this case should have been settled long ago. If new acting U.S. soccer president Cindy Cohn plays this right, she settles the lawsuit, takes a victory lap, and then either rides off into the sunset or gets easily elected as president next February. You see, it's not what you deserve, it's what you can negotiate. The United States Women's National Team was smart, and the United States Soccer Federation wasn't. And now, the United States Soccer Federation is going to pay for their mistakes. All right, Mossy, that's uh, my State of the Union for this week. Obviously, some big news and not something that I think a lot of people predicted, given the fact that Carlos Cordero was swept in as a as a change agent, someone who was going to listen to all sides and kind of move the Federation from being a mom and pop type of machine and organization into uh, into a much more evolved and organized type uh, of endeavor. Did this surprise you as much as it surprised me? Yeah, uh, the way this thing unfolded so quickly and Carlos Cordero resigned on the same day that people started calling for him to resign, it was, was pretty uh, incredible. But let me ask you this, you seem to think it defies credulity that anybody at the highest levels of U.S. soccer wasn't aware of this legal strategy. Does that include new acting president Cindy Cohn, who was the vice president uh, for the last few months? Yeah, it includes everybody. Uh, and, and it's not that I can't believe that they didn't know. I, I Look, first off, there's plenty of them that did know, all right? But there's but, but the ones that are coming out and saying, I didn't know, I'm sorry, that's that's not an excuse to me. And Cindy Cohn, you're the vice president. You've been there a while, you know? And if this was such an egregious and disgusting and morally despicable type of approach to use in the court case, then you should have walked, okay? You should have said publicly, this is what it is. And look, I, 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 I understand, once again, that these people uh, that take these jobs, especially the ones with, without pay, they're doing it because they want to they, they wanna make an impact and they want to do good things. And they have other lives, they have families, they have other jobs, and this takes a tremendous amount of time. But once again, if you don't want the type of heat and responsibility and therefore the consequences that comes when things like this happen, 
then don't take that job. And so it, it's, it's not good enough. And to see everybody now coming out and saying, well, I, I didn't know, I didn't know. You know what? You, you, you should have known. And Cindy Cohn at some, at some point is going to have to address what she did. You know, if it comes down, I guess, to that old, that old adage, who knew what and when. And, you know, there, it might be that just everybody apologizes and says, you know what? We were asleep at the wheel. And I would, I would respect that because I know there's a million other things that these people have going on in their lives. And as I said, you know, the vice president position, the president position, those are unpaid board of directors, all these things. Yes, they have perks, but that's not everybody's main job. But this type of approach, if it is so egregious, as I said before, then it should have been headed off at the pass. Somebody should have said, hey, that's not going to happen. And if people said, all right, we understand that this is a, a provocative type of stance to take and we are going to take heat publicly, that should have been made clear to everybody. Everybody that has it, all those stakeholders that I'm talking about, that should have been made clear to them. And then they should have taken the heat. But this this disbelief and surprise and as i said a washing of a hands of of it all that's 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 not good enough and cindy Cohn is in an interesting position now because as you said the popular move is to settle with the u.s women but as the president of the united states soccer federation it's her job to defend the best interests of the Federation. And whatever you think of that mm -hmm. legal strategy, there's still a legitimate debate to be had about how much the U.S. women should be paid. And so if she turns around and just writes a blank check and tells the U.S. women you can have whatever you want, she's going to have U.S. Federation board members to answer to. So how do you think she's going to handle that balancing act? Well, it's, it's really interesting because, you know, while, you know, while I'm saying that this should have been settled a long time ago. So what, what does it come down to? really what it comes down to Mossy is the amount of money that FIFA gives the men coming from FIFA I'm talking about versus the women and the great disparity of that and the women feel that they deserve a portion or a, a uh, of that money coming in and that it should be split equally all right fine that's a that's a case to be made and I don't know yet whether and I'm still trying to wrap my brain about uh, whether that's is that equality, you know, or, or is that charity? I don't, I don't know. I don't know yet. And maybe it comes down to there, there will come a point where playing for the national team isn't about money anymore. Everybody gets the exact same thing. Doesn't matter how old, uh, it doesn't matter if you're men's, women's. And by the way, if that's the case, then we can't start, start uh, portioning out just the U.S. women's national team or the men's national team. Then it should apply to the futsal team and the Paralympic team and everybody else. And they shouldn't be discriminated against simply because, you know, they're playing beach or they're playing futsal uh, or the uh, Paralympic team. And so everybody now, I guess, deserves an, an, an equal, uh, an equal part of it. And it's not a slippery slope. It's just, these are the things that need to be, that need to be decide, uh, decided. You know, I think that, that there is a deal to be made. Like you said, they're going to have to probably pay more because of this fiasco than if they had from the very beginning sat down and figured out a way to just hammer it out. Either way, they're, they're, they're going to play more. And the, and the women have played this kind of perfectly using that court of public opinion. But you're right in that Cindy Cohn's going to be faced with the fact that it's, her job is not to appease the U.S. women's national team. 
Her job is not to help her, I guess it would be sisters on the U.S. national team because, you know, she's an incredibly accomplished player, coach, and she's been involved with U.S. soccer for a long time. And you see her now ascend to the, the presidency and you think, oh, you know, now you have a champion at the top. Well, not so fast because as the president, and by the way, as the vice president, her responsibility is to the membership of U.S. soccer, not to the women's national team, not to the men's national team, not to any in particular group, to the membership, everybody she is beholden to. And she might have to make some decisions going forward that are the, for the good of U.S. soccer, the United States Soccer Federation and its membership, that might not be seen as for the good of a team, and in particular, the women's team. But I do think that there's a deal to be done. And if and when it gets done, it's going to be on her watch. In the same way what just happened was on her watch, she can find a way to change the, the narrative, and it will be on her watch, and she should right, rightfully take credit, and as I said, do that victory lap. And if she wants to continue on, she might say, you know what, <laughs> that's it. I'm going to head off into the sunset. I've had enough of this and, and, and go on her, on her merry way, at which point we will have another election that's going to happen in February, which might be bonkers. Remember what happened the last election and with Eric Winalda and Hope Solo and all the different candidates, it, it might be another free for all in February, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but uh, we'll see if Cindy Cohn wants to coalesce that power that she gets and if, if that settlement is part of that power and then continue to ride it or as I said say thank you very much I did my time you're welcome for the settlement and you're welcome for me steadying the uh, the ship that's where I was going to go next as you mentioned there's a special election in February 2021 and then a full-blown election in 2022 if Cindy Cohn settles the dispute with U.S. women in a way that's satisfactory to all parties and shows herself to be reasonably competent in the next couple of years come 2022 do you think there'd be a sentiment of let's just keep this person in charge or you think we'd be headed for another contested election like you mentioned with all sorts of candidates? Uh, look, I think if if Cindy Cohn is in charge, I mean, you're you're it's what happened. If she's in charge and everything seems to be going well by that time, by the way, we will know if you know the U.S. men have qualified for the next World Cup uh, Olympics. Who knows what's going on with the Olympics? But a lot of good things could possibly have happened that she can point to. And, and to be fair to Carlos, there are good things, and you can, you can talk about Brian McBride, you can talk about uh, Kate Margraff, you can talk about Ernie Stewart, you can talk about different people, soccer people that have become involved in uh, the Federation right now in, in, a, in a step in the right direction. That's a good thing. So, uh, you know, I think that to, to answer your question, I, I still am not convinced that Cindy is in it for the long haul. It's not a, it's, it is a, as I said, in the state of the union, it is a thankless type of job. And there's so many more things that are happening. A lot of stuff that we don't have any idea about. It's easy for us from the outside to come down and hammer people and say, uh, you know, you're to blame, you're to blame, you're to blame. But the, what's going on, the, you know, the, the day in and day out and all the details, there's a whole lot more nuance and layers that go on that, that these that these men and women basically volunteer to deal with. They got to deal with a lot of crap. And I, I respect that. But this was something, once again, that was unnecessary and needlessly blew up, not just into a soccer story, by the way. This is this was a story. And because of the high profile when it comes to the women, these types of things are going to be stories. 
And once again, United States Soccer Federation shooting itself in its uh, in the foot. Last thing for me, uh, Roger Bennett did that great podcast, American Fiasco, chronicling the U.S. men's 1998 World Cup campaign. There was an episode devoted to the 1995 Copa America, and you guys went into that tournament fighting a very contentious battle with the Federation. You threatened to not play in the competition. The dispute was settled on the eve of the tournament. We saw what the U.S. women did the other night, uh, turning their uniforms inside out to hide the uh, U.S. soccer crest. Talk about, as a player, how you can sort of compartmentalize representing the U.S. national team but not feeling like you're truly representing the Federation. Yeah, I mean, you have to be able to separate out the Federation with the team, and then in the middle of that is your country. And I, I never wanted to do anything that would be seen as disrespecting my country. And it's hard when you have all of that kind of mixed up, and the, the red, white, and blue, and the flag is all kind of part of it. And so, and, and, and look, I don't think that any of the, the women, I think they're also very sensitive to making sure that if and when they make a statement, like they made the other night, that it's not against the pride they feel for representing their country. It's simply against their employers that oftentimes use the flag uh, to, their, to their advantage. So back then, I, I'll tell you what, what was the, the driving force behind being able to compartmentalize was, all right, you, you make a stand, you're, you're fighting with your employers for better pay, but you're also representing your, your country. If and when it comes to an end and you get a deal done and get what you want, even after some very difficult times and some contentious types of, uh, of interactions, you then have to go and perform. And I'll never forget Steve Sampson coming in after we went through some real difficult and contentious type of, uh, of moment down at Copa America in 1995 and, and him saying, all right, you got what you wanted and we had, now you have to go out there and do the job that got you what you wanted. And so with it came a responsibility and a recognition that, all right, now you got to go out there and look, the women, they are pros at being able to separate the two and still go out there and be the best team in the world and still go out there and consistently win, which they recognize that is the fuel. That is the fuel that drives their worth. That is the fuel that drives you know, the public admiration and the public support that they get. And without that fuel, it, it, it starts to dissipate very, very quickly. And so I think they recognized that. I mean, I think it was brilliant marketing. Immediately, those shirts were on sale. They're, they're wonderful marketers. They're wonderful at promoting themselves. They're wonderful at harnessing the, the, you know, the public sentiment and public opinion and using their individual brands and their collective brands to make themselves, uh, themselves better. It's really, it's really a phenomenon, and it's really wonderful to watch. And I have incredible admiration for the way that they market themselves and the way that they use their power and leverage that power to their benefit on a consistent basis. Anything else you want to say? Somebody asked me uh, a little earlier if, um, you know, where do they go from here? Where does the Federation go from here? Look, there's a lot of good things coming down the pike. Obviously, once we get through this, this, this incredible period that we are in, we're talking about you know, men's World Cup qualifying at some point, you know, Olympics, a wonderful, you know, youth swell of talent that's coming on, a new coach when the women's uh, on the women's side and the continued juggernaut that that 
that that is so there's there's a lot of good things but in the immediate you know if i was giving advice to cindy Cohn or anybody over there you know the first thing that you come in and we talked about it is settle the lawsuit the lawsuit and maybe the lawsuits because there are multiple lawsuits and use that cachet and leverage that to be the person that came in and a cooler head prevailing type of situation you do that first then you purge okay i think whether it's the perception of the reality is that it still is same old song and dance when it comes to the soccer federation and so you know you have to get you have to make changes you have to bring in new people and that means you have to get rid of people and you may, may even have to get rid of good people you may even have to throw some babies out with the bathwater just for the optics of it and i know that's difficult but i think it is it is so tainted and it's so toxic that i think once again we are at a point where the confidence that people have in the the leadership that exists at us soccer is once again at an all-time low i didn't think i didn't think they could do it but but they've done that and then pr 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 the public relations part of the united states soccer federation that's where redefining who you are and for the world not just for the soccer but for the world and it's not easy it's it's going to take time and it's going to take work but you keep chipping away to get people to be less dubious about your motives about your intentions about your abilities and that takes a massive massive amount of pr and obviously positive pr and people going out there and doing that to reshape how we look at the United States Soccer Federation. And that can be done over time, but that's once, once more in the media. There's much longer type of uh, things, but that's that's how this gets fixed going forward. All right, Mossy, uh, enough of this. Uh, we're going to move on and move into a much more worldlier type of topic that was very specific to the sport. But as we all know, we are living in... Uh, strange and interesting times with regards to the coronavirus and what it has done to our planet, what it has done to our countries, what it has done to our towns, what it has done to our families, what it has done to our sport. And that's where I want to start to you. You, maybe more of those, maybe more than anybody out there, because you are a savant, you are an incredible intaker of the game. From a young age, I'm assuming it has been part of your life and part of your lifestyle. And for the first time, I have to feel where it's not a, a self-imposed type of exile. There is no soccer for us to watch. I mean, I know there's some leagues, but for the most part, this buffet of soccer that we have become accustomed to is no longer there. And it was there one day, and now it's not there. How does your life function right now without soccer? Well, listen, I'm a big sports fan. I'm not a nut about it. If this issue was confined to the sports world and everything else was still functioning properly and I could go to the beach, go to the park, go to the mall, go to the movies, go to the museum, I'd be fine. But it's the fact that I can't do any of those things either and I'm just cooped up at home. So, yeah, I mean, it's obviously a major inconvenience, but uh, it's uh, what needs to be done right now. So I'm abiding by what all the experts are telling me to do. The thing that really struck me the last few days is this sort of snowball effect that you see 
uh, amongst the various leagues. I remember when 9-11 happened, I was attending the University of Michigan, and 9-11 was on a Tuesday, and the initial inclination of the uh, Michigan Athletic Department was to go ahead with the football game that upcoming Saturday. And then when all the other schools started canceling their games, then Michigan followed suit as well. And you saw that a little bit here. There are certain leagues mm-hmm. that you could tell their initial inclination was to try to move forward and perhaps play in empty stadiums, but they all ended up having to cancel anyway. There, there are a few stragglers that are, you know, League MX is still playing in empty stadiums. The Brazilian state championships, because, you know, the, the world could be coming to an end, but God forbid we interrupt those useless tournaments that destroy the calendar anyway and shouldn't even exist, but that's a topic for another day. But it's, it's interesting how all the other leagues, even some that initially, like the Premier League and the Bundesliga, wanted to keep going, they eventually had to go along because it, it just there is a sort of snowball effect that happens. It's yeah, it is a snowball effect, and it is. People have asked me, do, do you appreciate, I guess, or uh, or view sports differently now that it's been kind of taken away? And look, we we work and we live in an industry that is based off of live sports. You know, one of the, it's no surprise each and every year that when you look down a list of the number one watched television shows, it's it's live sports, live sports, live sports. That's that's the draw. You don't know what's happened. You you know you can't binge watch it or anything like that. It's it's live and live events. And when those uh, when those go away, I think it I think it just it just confirms how much of a, a part of the lifestyle is. And I'm not saying that you know you don't have other things going, or that all of us that are involved in sports don't have other things going. But the sports part of it, just from a a job perspective, but also just a lifestyle perspective, is um, you know is 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 a is a big thing, and I'll be interested to see when, not if, but when it does come back, how we how we embrace it, or is the way that we look at sports and the way that we look at soccer in particular does it change anyway? Do we have a a greater appreciation, or will this you know this very serious type of event give us maybe a, a a new perspective on 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 life i guess and and sports does or doesn't relate to it and the next chapter in this story is wafa is holding a meeting on tuesday with all its members and sponsors and they're going to decide on the fate of the champions league and the europa league and also the euros um this upcoming summer and all signs point to the euros being postponed until the summer of 2021. Now, that affects two things. Uh, The summer of 2021 is when you were supposed to have this uh, first expanded Club World Cup. Uh, So they're gonna have to figure out uh, what to do about that. And also, and this kind of merges nicely with our first story, you're supposed to have the women's Euros, which I hope UEFA gives some consideration to what to do with that tournament. And that doesn't become some casualty that they, you know, give very little regard to because, you know, the, the women deserve the spotlight as well. So uh, whatever decision they make here regarding the men's heroes, I hope they, they have some plan as to w- what that would mean for the, the women's heroes in 2021 as well. Yeah. And, and anytime you have, well, I, I'm assuming, even though this is the first time we're going through this, but any type of massive type of worldly event that's impacting, uh, you know, the, uh, the traditional and, and impacting normalcy, if you will, you have, you know, people screaming and yelling about, who's taking what seriously and why we should take this seriously or shouldn't take that seriously and uh and you know how how important sports is and all that kind of stuff you know i think the interesting part about 
this particular case is that there is, you know, maybe for the first time, because we've had major events, but they all they all seem segmented segmented in terms of taking sides and this person on this side. In this one, everybody's on the same side. All right, nobody's nobody's on the virus side. Okay, everybody's on the same side, and in a unique way, relative to most other things, we are all fighting against the same thing. Now we all have different ideas about how it should be done, but we all recognize what the enemy or what the adversary uh, adversary is. And, you know, that, that forces us to come together. That forces us as humans, as humanity, uh, to come together and to get things done as quickly as possible and to put aside issues that now become petty and even irrelevant at times. And so that's, that's if there's no, it's not a good thing to come out of it, but it, at least it warms my heart at times to see how that is happening and that we can we can do that uh as it relates to uh, to soccer uh, you know mentioned i mean there are going to be some really interesting scheduling things and when this all comes back there might even be some asterisks applied uh and rightfully so and it's an epic type of event and many years from now people are going to say uh yes but that was during the coronavirus situation and therefore this it doesn't because it's all relative. We're all going through it. I I get it why there's going to be asterisks uh, out there. But since everybody's going through it, you know, a champion here or a great season here or a wonderful individual here, it doesn't change the fact that that was wonderful and that that should be and that should be celebrated. And I know, you know, people are, are uh, making jokes about Liverpool and should it count or will it count and all, all that kind of stuff. I get it. I understand why people are going to do that. And it will always have the caveat or the asterisk. And in a certain way, it might make it that much more memorable because a lot of the stuff come, comes and goes, but that it was done under unforeseen and unique uh, circumstances, the likes of which we have never seen before. In a certain sense, it makes it that much more special. I agree with you that we're all coming together, but you can't help but shake your head at, at some people. Uh, West Ham Vice Chairman Karen Brady has already come out in favor of voiding this Premier League season. Uh, her team is just above the relegation zone right now. And Lyon President Jean-Michel Aulas came out and said the league on season should be voided. And the same teams that took part in the Champions League this season should take part in next season's edition, which is quite a convenient stance when his team is in it this season, and right now they're in seventh place and 10 points off a Champions League place for next season. So those two people, I think, have been rightly so derided. You know, it might come to that. They might end up being right in the end. It might end up being the best solution. But to be already coming out with that just days into this crisis when we're all still trying to wrap our heads around it, and figure out, you know, what's going to happen. I mean, it, it did come off as very self-serving. So I think certain people <laughs> have kind of uh, uh, not handled this the right way. There, look, there are going to be unprecedented types of decisions, and it's not going to be fair for everyone. But in unprecedented times, you're going to see unprecedented decisions. And there are going to be things that are decided that, that irritate people, anger people. But once again, it's all sports, okay? 
And as much as we love and have a passion for sports and, and in particular soccer, it is just it is just sports. And eventually it'll get back. Uh, it'll it'll get back to, I guess, a new normal. And, you know, it's there's there's nothing you can there's nothing you can do. Not everybody is going to get what they want in a situation like this, nor nor should they. You're going to try to be as fair as you possibly can. You know, the whole promotion relegation thing, you know, the, the amount of money that's involved for teams and going up, going down, uh, and the differences and stuff like that. That's why people will fight for it. And that's why it's so serious to them. But that's also why you put people in charge. That's also why you put leaders in charge. And it goes back to what I said in the State of the Union. You put people in charge to make decisions, not to make easy decisions, because anybody can do that, to at times make difficult decisions and decisions for the greater good, decisions that, while in the short term might hurt, but in the long term are important, decisions that might benefit this group and not benefit this group. And that's why you put them in those positions. And if they don't want to be there to make those decisions, then don't take those positions. And if you don't want them to make those decisions, even decisions that you might disagree with, then don't put them in those positions. So, but if they do make it and they do make those decisions, even though you might not like it, you have to respect that that's what they're there to do. And I, and you know, we can scream and criticize people and stuff like that, but I do believe at, 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 at their core, nobody wants to make bad decisions. Nobody wants to do things that are going to have adverse effects and, and hurt things or people but if and when they make those decisions i think these leagues i think our sport is going to look very different at least for the uh uh the short period you mentioned you know a couple of different tournaments that are scheduled to come about in their first existence shall we say i think the priority would be to reschedule or to have things that have already proven i think you'll probably push back stuff that that while people maybe have been excited about, you'll probably push those back uh, and then have them come online at a later date as opposed to trying to force them as as much as we are anticipating them and much as we might have enjoyed them. I think you gotta you have to prioritize, like I said, the stuff that is tried and true and get that back on track before you start trying to introduce uh, new things. Mossy, anything else uh, with regards to the soccer world that is uh, that has interested you or, or made you scratch your head? Yeah, can I introduce some levity to what's been an otherwise serious podcast? Sure. I did want to update the Ronaldinho story and also address the latest Mossy pronunciation apocalypse. Okay, um, yes. Well, you know, all I can say is every story I've read about the Ronaldinho situation has been in Portuguese and Spanish. And in those two languages, there is an extra A there. It's passaporte. And in fact, when we were talking about it last week, I had a story open on my phone in, from a Brazilian newspaper with the big headline, Passaporte. So I had the word in Portuguese in my head as I was speaking in English, but still, there's no excuse. I did, uh, instead of saying passport, I did say passaport. So yes, it's the latest uh, mossy gaffes. I, I joked with our buddy Free Ewok on Twitter. I'm the Joe Biden of soccer punditry. I'm good for a gaffe every few weeks. So uh, that was it. I hope everybody enjoyed it. But on the, on the Ronaldinho story, we've talked about all the different leagues shutting down. One league still up and running is the Paraguayan Penal League. And uh, Ronaldinho has been drawn into that. He played in a, a match uh, the other day 
uh, for a Paraguayan prison team. And his team won 11-2. He had five goals and six assists, so directly involved in each of the goals. So Ronaldinho showing he still has it. You know, he's won World Cups, Copa Libertadores, UEFA Champions League, and now he may be able to add the Paraguayan Penal League to his list of honors. Wow. Yeah, we've seen the, we've seen the picture. I mean, in a world without much soccer going on, we'll take what we can get, right? <laughs> Oh, Mossy, Mossy, Mossy. Well, listen, we're going to try to continue to provide you content and still put out the uh, the podcast and talk about all of these things that are going on right now. And obviously, without games to talk about, it makes it, I, I guess, a little bit more difficult. No, it definitely makes it more difficult. But I think we've tried, and if you've kept up with this podcast for any uh, length of time, we tried to talk about you know, bigger picture type of stuff and things that are going on. And uh, as opposed to the, you know, the nitty gritty and the, uh, and the ins and outs uh, of games. And there's still a whole soccer family out there that is going through this along with the entire world family that we are part of that uh, wants to talk about soccer. And, you know, you mentioned Mossy, uh, you know, can you bring some levity? Yeah. I mean, this is, while this is deadly serious, what the world is going through, it doesn't mean that we lose our sense of humor or we can't uh, laugh or poke fun at ourselves or, or, or others going forward. And as that happens and as we, we talk about things and we bring you hopefully a little respite um, and a little bit of levity here or there, uh, I just want to make sure that everybody understands how serious this is, how we understand how serious this is. but. You know, this is this is what we do, and this is what we uh, we talk about. And we all have uh, people that are involved. As I said before, we all have family and friends and communities that we care about, that we want to be safe, and that are looking out for us. Along those lines, you know, I'm recording here at my house, and so I have family over there. My wife actually just uh, poked her head in and said, uh, because we have significant others, we have people that care about us, and we have people that listen to the podcast. She actually poked her head in and said, let's see, she, she sent me a letter. Hold on. This is good. Here we go. She said, earlier you were recording, you said, uh, oh, okay. I had said that the money that FIFA gives for the men, obviously, is, a, is much more than the money that FIFA give to the women. And that despair is what is at stake here, what is under discussion here, that the women want a piece of the money that comes in for the men's, for the men participating in, in the World Cups. And I had said that, is that equity? Is that equality? Uh, or is that charity? And she's always looking out for me because she says, uh, it will be misunderstood when you say that. So I just want to be very, very clear if those of you that may have uh, misunderstood that or may have been vexed or angered or irritated or agitated uh, by that. Look, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what that settlement looks like, but obviously it has to, it always has had to do with money and it still has to do with, uh, to do with money. And I don't know how much, whether it's the men's team, whether it's the women's team, whether it's the beach team, whether it's the futsal team, whether it's the Paralympic team, how much they deserve. And that's why maybe at the end of all of this, it's just give everybody the exact same thing. And when you get called in for the national team, regardless of, of which national team it is, you're making all the exact same thing. 
probably be a fight on your hands uh, when it comes uh, when it comes to that. But maybe that's maybe that's what ultimately is fair. Maybe that's what ultimately is equitable uh, and equal. But you know, we all have uh, people that are looking out. My wife, she knows that at times not at times that oftentimes I will say things that people disagree with and she's she's fine with that but she's always uh looking out and you know I I love her I love her for that and you know we all have our loved ones I hope that you are in contact with your loved I hope that they are safe I hope they are healthy not just physically but mentally because this can certainly take a toll uh and this isolation, if you will. And yet, while we are alone, we have millions of friends because of social media and because of the communication platforms that we have out there. And so definitely take advantage of them. Uh, talk to people and video chat and text and tweet and do all the different things to keep you engaged, uh, to keep us communicating about what's going on even from a practical sense uh, of information. And I know there's a lot of information, there's there's an overabundance of information, but information is good. And I hope that you are, uh, you are doing that. We'd like to continue to do this and to provide you the content on a continual basis, albeit remotely like this. Uh, and we appreciate that uh, you listen each and every week, even in strange and interesting and in unique times uh, like this. Mossy, before we go, anything to, to say to the folks out there? No, stay safe. Listen to the experts, including Grant Wall's wife, who's very impressive, by the way. Normally, I wouldn't trust the judgment of somebody who married Grant Wall, but she's given out fantastic <laughs> information. She is. She's wonderful. And she's, you know, she's been on the front lines for years. And, you know, clarity uh, and understanding of what to do, how to act, um, and where this goes from individuals like her and, and others is, is key. So follow those. And look... Uh, just to just circle back around, um, it doesn't mean that uh, we can't continue to have debates and discussions and disagreements. You, you, you agree, you disagree, you want to scream and yell at me, you want to scream and yell at Mossy, have at it. Continue, continue to do what, uh, what you do. Um, you know, I, I continue to, uh, to talk about the game and to talk about life. I'm, I'm doing a lot of uh, music right now, trying to keep myself uh, busy, but let us know what you're doing. Use that uh, hashtag Ask Alexi, Ask Mossy. Uh, send it through on all the different social media platforms. We appreciate that you're downloading and reviewing and subscribing and doing all those things. I think a lot of people are going to have, as I said, a lot of time on their hands. And the podcast world, if you if you will, like the streaming services of, of Netflix and all that kind of stuff, will be go-to type of things. Uh, keep exercising and doing that uh, stuff and if you are and you are listening to us uh, we appreciate uh, we appreciate that and we will continue at least attempt to continue to uh, provide that content all right thank you so much for listening uh, we will talk to you again and see you again next week as mossy said i will uh, i will echo please be safe all right uh, and please take care of one another and we will see you next week size the day 